Holiness is for everyone. Welcome back to the Savio Podcast. I am Father Tyler Tenbarge, the chaplain and director of the Father DDA House of Discernment and the vocation director for the Diocese of Evansville. Here on this podcast, we read the life of St. Dominic Savio, written by Father John Bosco, his mentor and priest, and we learn about how holiness is possible, even especially for young men who sometimes find it difficult. In this installment, we actually have, well, we have two people who are right with us right now. Only one of them is going to be reading. The other one just kind of is hovering in the basement, <laughs> and, and, that, uh, and that is Blaze Kelly. Do you want to say hello, Blaze? Hello, Blaze. There he is again. If you are an avid listener, if you listen to the third episode in the series, Blaze had read chapters one through three and started the tradition of mocking me when I say hello, say hello to the person who's going to be reading. Anyways, and Evan Sexton last week on chapter four, likewise continued that. So I have a feeling that our guest today will fall on the same tradition because we are Catholics and we like tradition. And that reader today is a sophomore who is homeschooled from St. Philip in Posey County, Indiana. And that is Nate Gable. Say hello, Nate. Hello, Nate. There he is. Today we're going to be reading from chapter five and six of the life of Dominic Savio. If you'd like to follow along, check out the link in the show notes or simply just Google life of Dominic Savio English translation. You can find it online available anywhere uh, as a PDF. And then today's uh, two chapters pay special attention to uh, first, uh, when Dominic Savio was accused falsely, how did he respond? And then secondly, in the next chapter we're going to read, uh, we're going to hear about what it was like when Father John Bosco, who is now a saint, met this young man about whom he wrote this book because he knew that that kid was also a saint too. Their story uh, is intertwined beautifully because a a priest and his parishioner, two saints uh, walking together in the same place at the same time, and it shows us that we likewise can follow in their path. The Life of St. Dominic Savio by St. John Bosco Chapter 5 Dominic's School Life at Mondanillo his conduct under a false charge. It would seem that divine providence had designed to make it clear to Dominic that this world is truly a land of exile, where, like pilgrims, we are always moving from place to place. Or it may have been that it was in order to make him known in several districts that his virtues might be displayed in each. As has been mentioned, it was towards the close of the year 1852 that Dominic's parents found that their boy's health would necessitate another change of abode. By this time, they went to Mondonio, a village not far away from Casanuovo. Here again, we find nothing but the most edifying reports are given of Dominic. It will not be necessary to quote a full account given by his master at Mondonio, for it repeats the good points mentioned by his former master at Murialdo. Attention will be drawn only to certain facts of particular importance. The priest in question writes, I can state without hesitation that during my 20 years experience with boys I never met one to equal Sabio in frank and genuine piety. He was gifted with a wisdom beyond his years, and his diligence, application, and affability made him a favorite both with masters and companions. When I noticed him in church, his recollection was such as to fill me with wonder. His manner and attitude suggested the thought, Here is an innocent soul to whom the delights of heaven are opened, and who by his piety soars aloft to the company of the angels in heaven. The following incident is worthy of special record. One day, a serious offense had been committed by certain pupils of mine, and the guilty ones, when found, were to be expelled. The culprits thought out several expedients in order to escape the punishment, and at last settled on the plan of accusing Dominic of the offense. 
I very naturally refused entirely to believe that Dominic would be capable of any such thing, but the story and accusation were so skillfully put together that it had all the semblance of truth and conviction. When I entered the school in the morning, prepared to deal with the matter, I was in an indignant frame of mind and spoke in general terms to the class. Then I turned to Savio and spoke very severely to him, telling him that he deserved to be expelled, and it was only because it was the first offense he had been guilty of that he would not be sent away, but that if ever the like occurred again, expulsion would certainly follow. Dominic might have very easily shown that he was entirely innocent, but he made no reply. He hung down his head as one who was deservedly reproved, and made no attempt at clearing his character. But it is seldom God's way to let the innocent remain under the cloud of calumny, and on the very next day the culprits were discovered. Deeply regretting now the harsh terms of the reproof I had made to the boy, I sent for him and said, Why did you not tell me that you hadn't had nothing to do with it? He replied with his usual candid manner, I knew that the guilty boy was already under threat of expulsion for other things, but I hoped to be forgiven. Since it was the first act of misconduct ever imputed to me at school, I also remembered that our Lord had been unjustly accused. At this reply, I was silent. I somehow felt that there was nothing more to be said. Not only the masters, but the whole school admired this act of generous resignation to suffering and insult on behalf of others, especially at the risk of being humiliated and disgraced. Chapter 6. My First Meeting with Dominic Savio. Some Curious Incidents Connected with It. The matter contained in the following chapters is based upon more personal and complete evidence, for almost all the incidents occurred under my own notice, and also in the presence of a large number of boys who are unanimous in their attestation of them. It was in 1854 that Father Culiero, the priest who relates the incidents mentioned in the foregoing chapter, came to see me about a pupil of his. Here in your oratory, he said, there might possibly be boys equal to him. But I can safely assert that there is none to excel him. In fact, you may find him to be another St. Aloysius. At that time, I used to take my boys occasionally to Murialdo. It was a nice little country place, where a short time was spent there for the benefit of enjoying the country air and open life. And there, we usually made the novena and preparation for, and celebrated the Feast of the Holy Rosary. It was accordingly arranged that while I was at Murialdo, Dominic should be brought over from Mondonio to see me. It was therefore at Mariotto on the first Monday in October 1864 that I became acquainted with Dominic Savio. He was accompanied by his father, and as they came up to speak to me, I noticed his pleasant but respectful manner, and something in his demeanor fixed my attention upon him. When he came up, I put a question to him, to which he answered, I am the boy of whom Father Culiero has spoken to you. I have come with my father from Mondonio. We walked together, and I questioned him about his studies, and his desires for the future, and we were immediately on the most friendly and confidential terms. I may say that I at once recognized a boy after God's own heart, and I could not help being struck by the workings of grace already manifest in one of such tender years. After some minutes' conversation, and before I could turn aside to speak to his father, he said to me, "'Well, what do you think of the matter? Will you take me to Turin to study?' I replied that I thought there was very good material to work upon, and what do you think you can make of it? Seeing that he fully grasped my meaning, I said, something beautiful and acceptable to God. To this he replied, then I must be the material you are to fashion it. Take me with you, therefore. But, I said, I am afraid that your delicate health would not stand in the strain of much study. I don't think we need to fear on that point, he said. 
God's given me the health and every assistance till now, and he will surely help me in the future. I then asked him what he thought of doing when his preliminary course was finished. To this he replied, If I could hope for such a favor from God, I ardently desire to become a priest. Very well, I replied. Now I want to see whether you are able to learn quickly. Take this little book and study this page of it. Tomorrow I shall see if you know it. I then sent him to see the other boys and to join in their games. While I talked to his father, but a little surprise awaited me. For hardly ten minutes had elapsed when Dominic came back and said with his usual pleasant manner, If you like, I will recite that page to you now. I took the book in some astonishment, and this only increased when he recited the page by heart and could explain any passage in it. Well done, I said. As you have anticipated your lesson, I shall anticipate my answer. I will take you to Turin, and you will be one of my chosen boys. You must pray that God will help both you and me to do his holy will. Not knowing how to express his great gratitude, he took my hand and said, I hope my behavior will never give you cause for complaint. And there we have it. That's a wrap. Nate, well done. Thank you, Father. <laughs> how nervous were you on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being like super nervous? My palms are sweaty. <laughs> Still? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> well, I, folks, you know what? We're sitting We're sitting in a basement at the House of Discernment, which is a really cool basement. There's foosball tables and pictures on the walls and a, and a Switch, Nintendo Switch in the background and tables and every, chairs and everything and a giant wall of snacks in the corner. Anyways, it's, it, it's, it is just us and Nate's mom's here is too. Jessica. Hi, Jessica. <laughs> anyway, so there's like there's like no audience. We're not on a stage or anything. But whenever you're sitting in front of a microphone that's like got a blue light on it, you're like, oh no, right? <laughs> anyway, so uh, everybody who's done this before has gotten a little bit nervous so so far. But Nate, well done overall. Really well yes, done. Thank you. All right. So now we just do a little bit of uh, a discussion about what we read in the chapter. And so there's a few things I'd like to bring up. The first is in chapter five that Nate that you read. At the very end of that chapter, uh, there's a story about uh, Dominic and uh, before he was at Turin. So this is not at the oratory in Torino and Turin uh, under John Bosco. This is at a previous school before he had moved in to the next school. Um, he was falsely accused of doing something wrong, and the schoolmaster, the principal, was really angry. And so he went to the classroom, the school principal did, and like kind of spoke to the class, quote, in general terms, i.e. like he was just trying to like tell everybody kind of, Whoever did it, you're going to get it, right? I'm going to expel whoever did it. You know, somebody fess up. Anyways, uh, all the evidence pointed to St. Dominic Savio, even though he didn't actually do it, in fact. Um, and the headmaster, the principal, knew it wasn't him. But because the evidence pointed to him and no one else admitted to it, uh, he had to accuse Dominic. He had to had find somebody to be the scapegoat. And so he told Dominic he's going to expel him. Well, turns out the principal found out the next day that it wasn't Dominic. And then when he brought Dominic back in, he asked Dominic, he said, why did you not tell me it wasn't you? Nate, what were the two reasons that Dominic gave for why he told it was not him? Well, reason number one was the kid that had done it, the actual imposter, I guess you could say, he uh, was already in deep trouble with the school. He had, So he was like a troublemaker. He right? had, yeah, he had a record of doing bad things, and he said whoever had done it was going to get expelled. The principal said that, and Dominic said, oh, I have a good record, and so I probably won't get expelled. So he took the blame for the kid. So he took a hit. Yeah, yeah he took, he took a bullet. hit. Yeah, yeah. Because he didn't want the kid to get expelled. Which is really heroic, right? Yeah, because... I, th I think he almost, like, which I think we all should, he saw something in the kid. You know, the kid could come, become something one day. Dominic saw that? I think he did, Wow, yeah. that's great. Honestly. No, that's great. Well, see, well, I think you might be right. 
Because because someone who is holy sees the potential for holiness in other people, right? Like yeah. they recognize that everybody else is just like them. I mean, whatever you do to others, you do to the Lord, right? And we are all one body. Mm-hmm. We're, we're all equals, right, in God's eyes. When we go to communion, everybody gets one host, right? Whether you're yes. rich or poor, old or young, smart or dumb, like everyone gets the same thing. We're all the same in God's eyes. Oh, that's beautiful, actually. I didn't think about that. What was the other reason that Dominic gave for why he... So the first reason was the other kid could get expelled because he was already in trouble. The second reason was why? The second reason was... Dominic knew that Jesus, when he was falsely accused, unjustly accused by Pilate uh, the Jews, by yeah. Pilate the Jews, Judas. Yeah, 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 he got betrayed by Judas. He uh, he didn't tell anybody. He didn't stand up for himself or say, "Hey, this isn't fair." Mm-hmm. He took the hits. Yeah. So, so and, he since he offered nothing in his own defense, Jesus offered nothing in his own defense when he was falsely yes. accused. Dominic said, "I'm going to follow the example of our Lord." Yes. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I cannot imagine a nine year old at my parish school <laughs> doing that if they were falsely accused. Most of them would be like, "This is not fair," and like point immediately to the kid who did it wrong, right? But Dominic Savio was greater than the average kid. So, anyways, he's a great model for us. All right, in the second chapter we read today, it was chapter six. There were three things that I kind of wrote down as uh, as you were reading, Nate. Um, the first one is that, do you know what day they uh, Father John Bosco and little Dominic Savio met on? Or as they were, they were making a novena in preparation for a feast day. Do you know what feast day that was? Feast day of the Holy Rosary. That's right, yeah. See, see you weren't too nervous to be able to pay attention while you were reading. That's good. Yeah, so they met uh, in preparation for the Feast of the Holy Rosary, which I think is actually super providential because John Bosco had a... Um, had a devotion to Our Lady. In fact, he made this in gi- this giant basilica you can actually go to right now over in Turin. Both uh, Savio and Bosco are buried in that church that Bosco built before he passed away. Anyways, and he get- dedicated that church to Our Lady, uh, Our Lady Help of Christians, uh, Auxilitrice or something like that is what it is in Italian. But anyway, so he dedicated that church to Our Lady. So he had a huge devotion to Our Lady, and actually on top of the church is a giant statue of Our Lady. And when you get inside, there's actually a giant statue on the left, which John Bosco, you can still see his body laying there in a glass coffin. Um, and he's just just across the way from Our Lady, so he gets to see the stat- that statue that he put in that church for you know all of it until until uh, until the raising of the, the bodies from the dead. Anyway, so they had a huge both uh, both John Bosco and Dominic Salvi had a big devotion to the Rosary. Dominic, when he goes to Turin, will eventually start a confraternity of guys who will pray the Rosary daily um, together. And so they were they met on the feast day. Uh, or in preparation for the feast day of the Holy Rosary, which I think is just really providential, God's timing. The second thing I wrote down was that Dominic was clearly a smart kid. Uh, whenever he met Father Bosco, Father Bosco's like, well, I got all these, I got hundreds of kids at my school, and you're not in very good health. Like, mm-hmm. are you sure you're young? Like, should I take you into the school program or should I not? And so in order to say whether or not he should do it, if it's worth his time, he gave Bo- or Bosco gave Savio this little booklet, and Savio, and he said, how long was going to give him? I'm, gonna, I'm not coming back and ask you, he was saying... The next day. The next right? day, the yeah. next day, yes. So he said, tomorrow I'll find out if you could learn this quickly enough and now go off and play sports with your friends. Well, how many minutes later? Five or ten. Ten, I think it was ten. Ten. Uh, just, yeah, just a few minutes later, Dominic, instead of playing sports, runs ten back minutes. over to... Ten minutes. Yeah, he found it. Uh, he runs back over to Bo- Father Bosco and says, I'm ready. And Father Bosco's like, Wait, what? You know? <laughs> and he basically starts answering the question, starts reciting parts of it from memory and answering questions about the page so he shows he has comprehension, not just memorization. Anyways, so that's really cool. Um, one thing about that I want to say too is that he was already discerning priesthood because um, he asked, Father Bosco said, like, what is your aim if I take you to the school? And at, a, at 10 years old, um, Dominic said, well, I, I think if God wants me to be one, I'll be a priest. You know, there's many kids um, that have thought about priesthood. In fact, uh, there's uh, it's most common in my experience that about at the age of second grade, 
is when a little kid starts thinking about their vocation in life, especially if they're thinking about religious life, priesthood, being a monk, mm-hmm. something like that. And so it's not uncommon that that would happen. And the fact that Dominic did it um, as well, I think also shows all those who are out there who are listening, if you ever have thought about that yourself when you were young, um, maybe maybe that was the Holy Spirit talking to you. I mean, the older you get, the more you start dating and want stuff in your life and travel and start making your plans for college and all that. The more you do that, the more you stop asking God, what do you want for me? Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Um, and so and nothing is wrong with that. Like make plans and do, you know, date and all that. Like all that's good and healthy. Um, but at the same time, if you don't say, wait, God, what did you want first before you start crowding your own mind or your own heart with your own desires, you can really lose track of it. Anyways, Dominic shows us that even as a little kid, uh, you can follow that calling uh, and you can follow it later too. So the last thing I wanted to write down uh, that I wanted to talk about was um, uh, um, Dominic, or no, Bosco says to Savio, I want to make something acceptable to God out of you, right? I want to make something mm-hmm. acceptable to God out of you. I think that is the, guys, I think that is the deepest longing of a guy's heart, especially as a young man, is that they want to be acceptable, especially to their father. They want Either, to prove themselves almost, yeah, if yeah. that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Dad, I want you to be proud of me, right? Yeah. Um, actually, they, we say that in um, kind of the theology of the body that psychologically, women are constantly asking, am I worthy of a sacrifice? Or like, am I beautiful enough? Which is why, who's on Instagram more, guys or girls? Girls. Girls by, by a lot, like 70%, yes. like 70% to 30%. It's huge. And the girls are also looking more at how many likes they get, right? Yes. They're also often the ones who are commenting more on pictures. They're also posting more pictures of themselves. And I'm not saying that that means they're vain. It doesn't mean they're vain. It means that girls are often thinking that Jessica's laughing over there. <laughs> we got a girl in the room to keep us honest here. Um, it, it shows us that what the longing of a woman's heart is, am I beautiful? Am I acceptable? Am I, am I worthy of the sacrificial offering? Um, and the opposite then for men is, am I capable of providing, of doing, of acting, of being what I'm called to be? I mean, think about like boys on a playground. I talk about this all the time when I talk about male and female and God's image. Boys on a playground, if they find a stick, what do they do with it, Nate? What would you do with a stick if you found one on the playground when you were hit, looking? Hit each other. Hit each other with a stick, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Or what else would you do with a stick? Poke each other. <laughs> <laughs> Break it over your knee. Throw it as far as possible, right? Like, what can I do with this stick, yes. right? It, it's what am I capable of doing and what are you not? Can I beat you? Yeah. Not, not, not physically, maybe physically too, but can I, can I do more things with this stick than you can do with it, right? They want to be entertained with the stick, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's all about like, am I capable? Like, you know, if there's like a sign, you're walking by a sign on a street and it's like just a little bit out of reach, every boy's going to try to jump and touch that yeah. sign. This is what you're going to do. Every boy's going to do it. Girls opposite. When you go, whenever, whenever a girl needs to go to the bathroom, what does she do? Invites her friends. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what girls do when they got the bathroom. <laughs> that is the mystery of life. Anyway, so so they you know they're always am I am I am I going to fit in? Am I going to conform? Do I identify yes. with the group? Guys are all like, no. Can I can I can I beat everyone else? Can I strike out on my own? Am I capable? Like assert their dominance. Almost. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's 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 like it's in us when we're little. You know, girls will play with any toy. Boys will only play with boys' toys. You know, yes. like, I'm not like a girl. Right. The girls are like, oh, I can play with a Tonka truck or a My Little Pony. It doesn't matter to <laughs> me. Guys are like, I'm not touching My Little Pony. It's not for me. Anyways, so the, the, I think it's interesting that he says, I want to make something acceptable to God. I think that's, as you said, Nate, I think it's the longing of a guy's heart. Am I, can I become something that is acceptable? Will God yes. accept me for what I can do or who I can be? And Bosco and Savio recognize that. And so Bosco's whole mission as a priest was, can I make of these kids something that's acceptable to God so they can get to heaven one day, but also so they can be who they're supposed to be on earth? Both of those things matter. 
For those who don't know the background at Bosco, he started the oratory at Turin, uh, actually with his mother. Um, they started it together. And all he did was he went around the streets of Turin and found all the orphans that were out there, the boys who um, just didn't have good home lives. And he brought them in and said, can I teach you so that you can become something more than just, you know, street people when you get older, homeless mm-hmm. people or ruffians is what he called he them. He saw something in them. Amen. And he back to become see. something. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so that's what he was constantly trying to do is, can I make something in you that's acceptable to God? And um, anyways, obviously in, in Dominic, he saw that. And it's it's clear, and even in the first six chapters, that Dominic was a special kid, and Bosco saw that in him mm-hmm. within the first 10 minutes of meeting him. Yeah. So, anyways, anything else that you thought was interesting, Nate, about all this? I know there's something, but <laughs> it's not quite... No, sure. I thought all of it. I mean, I think there's a lot, there's a lot of good messages in just the whole book. And this is one of my favorite chapters because I really like that story about him being falsely accused. Oh, yeah, chapter five. Yeah. Like references back to Jesus and like walking in Jesus' footsteps. That's pretty big, I think. Amen. Yeah, I mean, that's what we're supposed to do, right? Is in every way try to be mm-hmm. like Christ. Yeah. You know, when I was in seminary, there was actually a conversation we had one time in college seminary, so like 15 years ago now. But anyways, we had a conversation. We said, is it possible that you could that you could live the rest of your life only saying phrases that come out of the Bible? Like, is it possible that, is, is, does the Bible have enough sentences that everything you need to say could be a direct quote of Scripture? And then if you could do that, would that be living like Christ most most fully? That'd be an interesting thought, huh? Yeah, that's deep. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't say, like, the word, like, Fortnite or something. It would, <laughs> maybe actually, maybe Fortnite's in there. It's two weeks. Fortnite's two yeah. weeks, right? Anyways. <laughs> Anyways, I mean Nintendo Switch. That wouldn't be in the Bible, but you could say I want to play. I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, it it would make you be a lot quieter, that's for sure. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, we're supposed to be living our life like Christ, and Dominic Savio, as you said, Nate, did it at an early age. So anyways. Well, good. Well, the next set of chapters uh, will be chapter 7 and 8. I think I'll be reading those by myself just to kind of get them out on the podcast sooner here. If 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 you're following along, please uh, take these things to heart. Um, If you've not prayed about what God is calling you to, let this conversation today about Dominic's own vocation kind of stir in your heart a renewed sense of asking God uh, to show you clearly what he wants you to do. Um, you're never gonna be, you're never gonna go wrong with that because if God is calling you to be a priest and you're supposed to be one, you better be one. If not, your marriage life married life is not gonna be easy. If God's not calling you to be a priest and you become one, likewise, that's not gonna be good either, right? And so you gotta constantly ask God, what are you calling me to next? And if you're already committed in your vocation, maybe you're a parent listening to this podcast, or maybe you're a priest listening to this podcast, you can always say uh, to the Lord one more time, like, where am I supposed to go next? How can I fall deeper in love with you? How can my life imitate yours more clearly, just like Dominic Savio did at age 10? So thanks for joining us on the podcast. Uh, We will see you next time as we find out more about the life of this holy young saint. (laughs) 